What can we do different at our churches? I will never give you a recipe and tell you, this is what I did, this is what you must go and do. But I do find it's one Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit do pretty much the same in different churches, just a little bit different. When I started at Linden, somebody called me and said, there's a group of people that started to get together. Do I want to join? And I tell you, it was one of the best things that I've done. We get together at least once in three months. Um, they recalled ourselves gap based on that book about the gap between children and grown-ups and we've changed our name and I will show you an ad before the end of the day we call ourselves now Axis but that is basically the fraternal of children churches around me in my area in, or in Joburg for that matter at one stage there was churches driving through from Rustenburg as well and that group taught me that I think, oh, look what the Lord is doing in Linden. He's doing that in the next church and the next church because it's the same Holy Spirit that work in a city. But God is big enough to tailor-made each church, each culture, each community's what they need. So you never ever start a children's church, I talk now about children's church, without prayer. When you want to start ministering to your children, you go and sit, not once, not twice. It is a present continuous action. You will be doing it so that God leads you what is suitable for that church. So prayer is of crucial, crucial, and I always come back and I say, the Bible is clear about it. Which father would give his son a snake if he asked bread? I will tell you just one little testimony out of my journey. I arrived at Linden. I come from a woman's only home. My father was there, but it's seven daughters, my mom and my grand. So it's nine women and one man. And my dad was, he could handle it. He was in charge of that. Okay. He was the rule maker. Yes. And uh, I arrived at Linden, and oh, further, I come out of nursery school teaching because I studied junior and pre-primary, and I said I never want to go to a primary school. I love the nursery schools, and that's where I lived my passion out. I always got involved with the children's church. Actually, as Dr. Jakob Peturis told you, this was his church. This was also my church when I arrived in, in Joburg. And there at the back, there's little stairs going up to rooms up at the top. We had Trappiskerk, Stair Church. 
because the children had to run up with the, the stairs to the classroom. And I quite often made them sit. I don't know if you as children played uh, that, that game where you put a stone in your hand and then if you choose the right one, then you can move up. I was playing that with the children against the, the stairs at the back there. And uh, yeah, so I was always doing children's church, but it is only the past 15 years that I really went into ministering where before I was just working with children and being principal at nursery schools. But the main thing that I want to talk about is I come out of a woman's home. All of a sudden, the first time God put me between men and I had to work with a church board and with three pastors. And the first thing that they tell me is go away the weekend Go and pray to the Lord that you can get a vision for next year. And here I'm sitting, nursery school teacher, with three theologians, the one a doctorate. And I said, okay, you will go away. I don't like men very much. I am quite comfortable between women. And uh, yeah, I must go away with them for the weekend. You know what is the first thing they told me? They said, go and pray and ask God for a, a text from the Bible, a verse from the Bible. I will never forget this day. I went in front of the house that we use for children's ministry. I lay down, I looked up. There's this big tree with these big leaves. And I saw the sun and I just said, God, I've never asked you on demand, give me a scripture. I need a scripture now. <laughs> and the Lord gave me Zechariah 4. Verse 6. Not by might or by power, but only through my spirit. And that was the first thing of children's ministry at Linden. If I don't hear clearly from the Lord, we don't do it. Because it's by His Spirit. And if you can take prayer and the leading of the Spirit, your children's church will be well. I often and sometimes I get into trouble with this, but this is my conviction, that you cannot be the pastor of a church and also be good with children. Amen. Pastors must, can only be as good as his team that they gather around him. So we must stop thinking Pastors are equipped to understand children because for me it's an honor to stand here at a theological college and people come to here. But when I checked with my colleagues how much they did in their whole course around children, they've done seven years of theological studies. They did one month of youth ministry in those seven years and one week about children. And I think we must try and see who is a teacher or somebody with a passion for children 
and hand the children's ministry to that person. Because these things that I share with you here today, the things that was developed by studies as a teacher and years of experience. And if you don't spend time with children, you will not know the heart of children. So, yes. I think at this stage I want to show you something. This I would have showed you at the practical side. But let me show you this. I've got two tracks here. Actually, I, was, I found it and it worked well because you could see better. If you cannot see this, please, then you can stand if you cannot see it. I've just formed two tracks here, but you can form it with two pieces of wood. And when I want, quite often children or people think, oh, you know what, I must just pray more to the Lord and I will do good in my test. But Lord can only bless you if there's something in your head. And I want to say this also, and that's why. If you do children's ministry, you must have a relationship with your pastor that he can give you knowledge and lead you on truths in the Bible if you don't have it. But that knowledge of children you must take in. So I'm courses like this, studies, articles, to know more about children. Why do I feel so strong about it? Because of the following principle. And I do this with children to explain to them why they must study. If this, this work with marbles and two pieces of wood, I just took this, it's the stuff that they, when they tile, they put it at the ends of tiles, and I found the two pieces, and then you can see the balls. So, if this is the human being, what do you think if I take this ball and I roll it in here, what is going to happen? What is coming out on the other side? The same ball. Let me show you what happened. If I roll this one in, how many come out? Only one came out. I put one in, one came out. So I teach the children, if you put in one hour of study, only in your exams can you use that hour of study. If you try and do children's ministry, knowing just you had your own child and you've got that knowledge, that's the knowledge that's coming out on the other side. Mm -hmm. What's going to happen if I take two balls? I've studied two hours or I did two different courses. How many balls? Two. Two balls. Yes. Two balls. What do you think is going to happen if I take five balls? I like to use science to prove points of the Bible. Mm -hmm. And this is not saying to children, you must perform. But for a child, you need to do a bit. Yes. You as a children's minister need to do your prep to have an effect on the other side. Mm -hmm. 
The more you do your prep, the more you work things through, the better your outfit would be. So we need to be prepared. Yes, so, if the pastor got his own children, and you know a little bit of children, within one month and seven years, the output of that children's ministry is going to be that which he put in. Teachers got the equipment of maybe five balls, and you can get five balls on the other side. So, that is why I say, in our churches, Identify the people with a love for children. Identify the people with the knowledge of children. That person cannot fly solo. Must plug in by his pastor and go in the direction. And later on, I will show you that as well. Okay. So, in your children's ministry, you need to understand the child. You need to take the attention span in account and you need to cater for different temperaments in the children. Uh, I will get to the temperaments now. I did tell you already, gogos is a problem. You must sort out the gogos in the community. Do it under the guidance of the Holy Spirit. God will not send you in a beehive. Pray for calm. Pray uh, that the Lord guide you. I'm not here to tell you you must become rebellious because rebellion is not from the Lord. But we need to take our congregation with us on the journey. So, what often churches do is the children go out and nobody ever hear of the children again and what happens is the rest forget that that congregation got children. Children, I read that verse to you, is a blessing from the Lord. We must have them part of our church. Not outsource and sit there. So how did I get it right? You know what I did, for example, it's always the elderly people that become very negative or people that are very rigid. I would create days, I once had a tea, then I call the children and they serve the elderly people tea. Then the people must sit and the children bring them little cups of tea. Then the people's hearts changing. Or the children must drawing pictures. And then they can go and choose an elderly person to give a picture to <laughs> then people slowly but surely their hearts have changed. And I'll bring children in to do certain things in the church. That people can see there's a nice side of children as well. But they must remember it's a blessing from the Lord. The pastor must support the children's ministry. Because in the sermons, it's important that they empower families. And he must talk about families and the importance of children and the children, and he must teach the congregation what stands in the word about children. So you hear my train of thought? You don't go on a solo flight. The pastor is walking a road with you. Me and 
Domdi Jacob see one another every Tuesday for three hours. We eat together, me, Jacob and Willem. We eat together, we pray together. One of us bring food and food. And we share with one another. But for me, that's very important. Quite often when I go to some of these mega churches, you will hear children's ministry is there to just look after children that the pastor can continue with his important work. No, 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 no. That is part of the important work. And the children's leader must be part of that group and stand in a relationship with the pastor. Um, yeah. If you've got a team that's going to help you, I always say that team must be educated. I call it, I've got it, I, this one is in my brainchild. I read it in a book one day. They're talking about a dream team. The D stand for they need to be dedicated. The R stand for they need to rock. They can rock with the children because they've got a child in their heart still. Dedicated rock. They need to be enthusiastic. If you tell child something, you stand like this. You know, and David, he was so brave. You know, my child, David, he was a small little boy. He had the slingshot. He was swinging it. You need to be enthusiastic. Otherwise, the child listens to nothing. <laughs> enthusiastic? There must be action in that person. It cannot just be talking, talking, talking. Why do I say the people on that team must have action in them? Because sometimes churches take time to decide things, and there's sometimes red tape. If we don't make the decision this month, when are we going to make the decision? Sometimes churches are, are dragging their feet and a generation is out of the church already before they make the decision. Don't let a room or equipment stop you from starting with children. You don't need a room. You don't need a carpet. If there is a tree there somewhere or in the back of the church, if they make too much noise, tough luck. <laughs> but start... Start with the children, and you don't need all these things. So never let the evil one tell you you don't have what you need. If you've got an enthusiastic person, and you've got the Bible, you can go. So, dedicated, rock, enthusiastic, somebody with action, and that one of the most important things, that person must be mad about Jesus. He must love Jesus. You cannot give a child something that's not part of your DNA. Oh, yes. So, one thing that also happened with parents, the moment parents get a child, all those voices in your past of bad things that happened to you as a child, 
things that you maybe did not forgive yet, things that you didn't deal with, come and fall on here right in front of you. And sometimes it feels to mothers or fathers sometimes they cannot continue with life. Because when we get a child and we need to do certain things, our past, the voices out of our past start talking. The same happened when you are a children's, uh, on the children's team. When you start working with a child and you get cross, maybe that person that hit you in the past out of anger, come back. Deal with it. You need to get healing in Jesus Christ. Otherwise, you cannot be a blessing to the children. Because the evil one repeats cycles. So you got shout out and got a slap against the head because you turn around in the church. Then you start doing it because that's what you want. So that of being mad about Jesus, I want to say, also get holiness and healthiness in Jesus as well. Yeah, I think the next point that I wrote down here, don't handle children as if they're grown-ups. They're not grown-ups. I think you can understand that I say that to you. Uh, I've said enough about that today already. Um, we need to respect children for who they are. That's why I say, if the children are sitting here, you sit with them on the ground. I don't want chairs in children's church. All my chairs are out. If you cannot come down to their level, why? You're always talking down to a child. You will have no influence. You come down, you sit down with that child, you talk with that child down. I had this week, um, last Sunday, the one child, he's in our children's church. He's, there is a children's home in our neighborhood, and he was from the children's home. So you, that child is just so used to that everybody's screaming at him. You get rejection all over. He, his heart is rejected because he's not with his parents. Okay. And he tried to sneak out. Now I've got a grown-up standing by the front door. There's one door into the ark. And I've got a grown-up manning it because there's children that sneak out. And this little boy trying to sneak out. I brought him back, I sat down, I checked him in the eye. Man to man, I was talking to him. I said to him, not again, my boy. I didn't raise my voice. Not again, my boy. Do you hear? What did I say? He said, you told me not again. I said, yes, this was the last time. One of the grown-ups standing at the back, I said, that's now ho-ho, scaring the baby. Okay, don't worry, I'll still decide what I will do. But Next time that child run out, there will be consequences. Because that's part of the discipline. We mustn't just talk. We mustn't say things to children that we cannot pull through. We need to do. That's why we must be careful what we tell children. Because if we say something to a child and you cannot do it, next time we leave, when you say something that you can do, the child call you bluff. Because what are you going to do? Yeah. So always, your word is your honor. If you say something, I personally had ran in a little boy one day there. He was, it was one of our church workers. 
children. She was working in the office. I ran him in. I pulled him back. I dragged him back into the children's church. I said, not again. And that was the last of it. Was the last of it. A children's church, I work discipline if a child is in his own group and he cannot behave, he go to the bigger group. What do they do in nature? There was this big thing years ago in Pilonsburg where they had baby elephants growing up in the game reserve. The baby elephants caused havoc there. They rolled cars. They killed one of the, the rhinos there. What did they do? They brought in a bull from Kruger Park, an old mature bull. They put him in the group. The babies submit. The moment the child is doing the wrong things and you put him in a group that is, there's bigger children, life sorts him out. I'm busy doing exactly the same. They, in this children's home, they are complaining about the, the boys that go into the teenage phase. They don't listen to the house mother. She's short, just like this. So physically, she's also small. What are we busy doing? I'm getting men of 55 plus to go into the home and build a relationship. Not me, men. The boys need to see elderly men in their, in their community looking up automatically that authority that men come with will sort out all those discipline problems. So we, children's church does not mean women. If I've got three men on my team of 20, I wish I could have 10, 10. Men must step up also in the church. If you're in the church, be a mentor to the children, especially boys in the church. So that's the dream team. So if you're in a church and you've got people helping you and you're the coordinator, you must see that you built that, that team around you. Then um, something else controversial that I always say to people, if we say it is the same Holy Spirit, if we say that is my brother and sister in the Lord Jesus Christ, just in a small body. If there's a budget of 100 rand in that church, that 100 rand must be divided between all the congregants. If there's 100 members and 50 are children, the children's ministry must get 50 rand and the grand church must get 50 rand. Yeah. Otherwise, the leadership of that church is not listening to what the Bible says. And I realize that quite often leadership will tell me, but it's not about the stuff. You know, the, the moment you accept Jesus in your heart, it doesn't matter anymore what you get. We must take into account what is the cognitive development, the brain development of that child. If I must follow Jesus Christ in a child's brain, that already, and I don't know in your communities, but it's, if I drive around, a lot of children got cell phones nowadays. A lot of children 
play, most children watch TV. If I must follow Jesus Christ in a child's brain, and I'm standing there talking like this, and the child is sitting still, where does the child follow Jesus in his brain? Boring. Not of power. Then they sit and they watch TV and he man can pause with his muscles. Then we mustn't wonder why children don't follow Jesus. But the world. Where do we find Jesus Christ in a child's head in a society, and I'll come back later to that point, where mass, mass media and technology is part of their frame of reference. Um... Commitment, give them the truth, prepare before the time, and dress appropriately. I've got a dress code that if somebody come and want to be part of my children's ministry, I give them the dress code. You don't dress with dresses, that's too low. You don't actually dress in a dress. Because you cannot sit with the children on the carpet. You cannot lay down with the children on the carpet. If I go with a dress to children's ministry, I put gym pants on under my dress. Because I need to sit. Men, you're lucky. You can just go with your normal pants on and you can sit. But I had people already want to minister to children and they not dress appropriately. Dresses too short. To low yeah, we work with young children, we work with children, that hormones start kicking in, we need to cater for our children. But high heels doesn't work, you step on a child's finger and you nearly amputate the finger because there is, I don't know if you work out the signs between 70 kilogram, move onto one little stiletto, it's, we're talking of tons. I don't know if there's an engineer that can work it out for us. But when I work with the babies, the parents, if they come in with a stiletto, I let them take it off because I'm not taking responsibility for fingers. So dress appropriately. That it's, also, if you work with children and you, this thing will not work for me with children because I just now I nearly tripped over it because it's hanging when I wanted to catch the ball. And... How do you catch balls or throw things if uh, you on high heels? And while I'm talking about throwing, let's see if somebody can catch it. Because I can see somebody is sleeping. Okay. Somebody is sleeping. Okay. Some just an idea to give you. When you catch the ball, push your finger somewhere on the ball and see where you... mine is on. Sudan, I make use of this when we need to pray. Catch the ball, pray. Oh, Sudan, Lord, please go with Sudan, with the children in Sudan. Throw it. Don't think that is not honoring God because the children are playing and throwing. Where do you catch it? Which finger got something? The knee. You see, now you do Geology with the children as well, because yeah. they start learning where's the different countries. 
le wolf. So something stupid like this you can use. Are you awake? Everybody get up, turn around and sit down, please. I can see you. Get up, turn around, sit down. Okay. Okay, great stuff. My next point is boundaries. I've spoke this morning quite a bit about boundaries in, in children's church. First day of the year back, I always explain to the children the difference between chaos and freedom. Freedom means you all know what we are now to do or not to do. That gives us freedom to move around and do our thing. Chaos. Nobody know what to do. And everybody do what they do. So, my child, you're welcome here at Children's Church. But here's the rules. There's a time for everything. When we play outside, I don't bug you playing. When I talk, you don't bug me talking. Children's Church, no. I am rigid on my rules. I will warn a child once, and then there's an action. First thing you do, if a child starts talking, and you talk, you just come and you walk in his direction, and you watch him. And you be wondering, what am I going to do to you? And you start to stop talking. If I come to you, you want to walk in his direction. And that's how I control this section that I'm talking while I'm talking. Because I just come and I look him in the eye and I come closer. And then I go past again. And that way I can control. This work on grown-ups as well. Between Jesus Christ courses at different churches, I do exactly the same. If the people sit in the seminar and there's two people talking, I walk while I'm teaching, I walk to the person and the person stops talking. Boundaries. Um, respect, I explained to you, biblical principle, don't hurt one another, help one another, and take care of your own stuff. So those are the, the main ones for me. And within that, I can address all things that children do. Uh, if they talk, if they jump onto a child, I say, no, 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 sorry. You cannot hurt another child. When they start I've got to, I've made myself like round it's nearly like a tiny bean bag that I've filled with polystyrene and the leaders can sit on that to give them a little bit of privilege that they can sit a little bit higher. So my eldest group are my is helpers for Jesus. They're the leaders. So when we when we uh, collect money, they're the deacons, they collect the money. When we pray, I've got an old microphone, then they hold it in front of the child's mouth that's praying. So I've got little things like that that I need children to do it. And so those little beanbags, sometimes the children start, excuse me, no, 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 we look after our stuff here at children's ministry. We don't break it. If we need to buy new ones, there's then maybe not money for a biscuit. 
So I'll always cause an effect. I pull it through. I show the children in children's church always the bigger picture. This is the big picture that we, we want to look after the stuff that the next generation can. Next year we still got it. Cause and effect. We need to pull it through for children. Okay. Um, I've said to you, the Bible, you tell the children nothing if it's not truth. And we, I'm going to go over into our PowerPoint slides soon, and I will show you there that we also live in a society post-truth. But it is so important that we've got certain things. I call it like, it's a tent pen. I like the to talk about a tent pen because the Lord say we're living in tents. We're not living in buildings. We live in tents. We're just here for a short while. Then we move on. So I like to hit some tent pens into the ground that children can, the knowledge that they hear at schools or in life, they've got a basis for it, that they can come and hook it on. Another way I can tell you that is Children, as a parent, if this is a file, our brain got lots of files, and we as grown-ups or parents or uh, responsible people in the church must always put the label of the file in the child's head. That, that child, if he hears something, he hear your voice with a label on it. Let me give you an example. Quite often people are very scared to address the issue of sex in children's lives or drugs. I think the mo what parents phone me mostly about is the school is going to have a sex talk. I don't want my child to be there. The school is going to talk about drugs. I don't want my child to be there. We cannot get children to push against the bad if they don't have knowledge. So how do we empower children? By telling them about it, but put the label on. What do we tell? Child, you're going to see, get to do with drugs somewhere. Drugs get used by men for, in medical terms as well, and then you can do good. If you misuse it, my child, it causes death. You don't need to tell them all the names of the drugs and all these things. You become out of control, you get caught and dead. Sex within a stable relationship comes with a lot of responsibilities. You need to take care of that child. You never, ever, ever can give that child back. We don't need to go into detail. We give children as much detail as they ask for. But we must put those labels on the files so that all the files in the brain is there. When that child goes to school and they hear something about drugs, they think, oh, mommy, daddy, or my mentor church said drugs can be dangerous. Then they think twice before they just step in. We need to empower children with the right tools. Okay? But none of those labels must be in the wrong direction. Tongue in the cheek. I've got two stepchildren. 
my, my mother-in-law passed away quite a few years. She was a brilliant, brilliant ground face teacher. Brilliant. She wrote music for the kids to sing. She dramatized with them. But when my two stepchildren tell me something in nature, I said, where did you hear it? By granny, I said, okay. I know what to do with it. It's not the truth then. Because she always told stories, but then she didn't give the right message. She wanted to give them a principle, like, for example, a little steen book, those tiny little bugs. They take a partner, they take one partner, and they keep that partner. But she told them, if it died, that one just mourned till that one died as well. And that's not true. So she took the principle that you must, when you get a partner in life, you stick to that partner forever and ever and ever. But now she, because she wanted to dramatize, she also adds something. You will mourn to death. Whereas if that little skin doctor you walk alone for quite long, but if he did then a male or female, they come together again and they're having babies. But you understand what I mean. Yeah. Don't tell. Just to color in your bigger picture. Color it in with the truth. Not with not truth. I'm going to, at this point, tell you, you can quickly go to bathroom again for five minutes. I'm going to put on the the PowerPoint, and then we're going to pay attention to the PowerPoint slide. Okay. So move.